Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. All right. Well, um, I hope that you've been enjoying the um, the summer story series. It's been a fun. It's been a fun theme. We've talked about different types of stories. Um, and um, as I was preparing, I was thinking about one of my favorite stories. And some people like them, and some people don't like them. But one of my favorite stories are documentaries. I don't know if you like documentaries or not, but they're, they're you know, they're fun stories. They're, they may be more true stories, but um, I, I enjoy documentaries. And this last year, year, two years have given us some, some really good documentaries. We've seen the Michael Jordan documentary, um, you know, The Last Dance. And so that's been a, that was a really good one um, that I enjoyed. We've seen some really weird stuff. Um, uh, the last couple of years gave us Tiger King, um, and so, uh, so that's weird, and that's about all I'm going to say about that. Um, as I was preparing, I was looking at documentaries, different kinds of documentaries, and, and I found one I just had to share with you. Did you know that there is a documentary about competitive endurance tickling? It's a true story. It is a real thing, okay? Competitive endurance tickling. And the thing about the documentary is, is that this is a culture, they wanted it to remain secret, and so there's a danger element to the documentary. I haven't seen it, but I'm, I am now going to watch it, and now most of you are going to watch it as well. So, um, But what I love about documentaries is they give you a behind-the-scenes look at some, some place and something that you, we wouldn't be able to go. You, we're not going to be, be allowed into the locker room with Michael Jordan. That's just not going to happen. But through a documentary, we get to. It's a kind of a TV show documentary, but how it's made. Have you ever watched that? Sometimes I'll put that on with the kids, where you get to go into a factory and see how something is made. And in a way, when Jesus shares parables with us, he is sharing um, documentary type thing. We're, we're getting to go behind the curtain, behind the scenes. See, Jesus was there when the world was created. And he has been there the whole time. And so he knows how we were made and what we were made for and how we were made to work. And so when Jesus says, this is not what you were made for, this is what you were made for. Life doesn't work that way. Life works this way. We get to see kind of behind the scenes, and we should listen, and we should pay attention as he shares those, kind, those, those kinds of things. And so today we're going we're gonna to take a look at one of those examples where Jesus says, this is not what life was about. This is what life was going to be about. And we're going to look at um, a, a question that I'm going to, going to pose to us today. Um, a question we're going to wrestle with today is how much is enough? How much is enough? Now, I brought a, um, something that will make this question a little bit more difficult. How many of you like Reese's Cups? All right. And these are just, it's almost mean. They're, they're just, they're too little. These, these ones, they're really small, okay? There's a whole big, huge, they sell them in these big trash bag-sized bags um, of, of Reese's cups. And so the question we're going to write, how much is enough, okay? And so I just, I, we're going to take a little bit of a poll. So I'm going to call you out just a little bit. So say you were at the house by yourself, okay? Because that's when we really find out how much is enough, all right? No accountability, okay? So let's just say you're at the house by yourself, you've had dinner, and these, this bag, this bag, okay, is sitting on the counter. How many of you, when it comes time for dessert, how many of you just have one? I've heard that these people exist. I don't know that I've ever seen one in the wild, okay? We really have, you would really have, we have a couple of people. How many of you say, I would just have one, all right? You guys can leave, all right, right now. 
there, there's nothing more that I can teach you. You have mastered life, I believe. You have already mastered life. That is, that is ridiculous. That kind of discipline, I just don't, I don't even understand it. Okay, how many of you would have two, two or three? You'd have a few. You'd have a few? All right, you guys are so good. You're so good. I don't get that either. That's like getting the ball rolling down the hill and then trying to run in front of it and, and get just steamrolled by it. Like, like, that's like torture. It's like, you just got started, man. You just got started, all right? Okay, how many of you, uh, my wife said five. She said that was, that was her number. How many of you, like, eh, somewhere between five and 10, okay? That way it makes you feel a little bit better, five and 10, okay? How many of you are gonna wake up in the morning under a pile of wrappers? That's me, all right? That is, that is me, okay? So you can see something as simple as this. We all had a little bit of a def different definition as to um, what is enough. What is too little? What is enough? And what is too much? And today we're going to be looking at that example, and, and we're going to see a little bit of a disagreement um, in the parable as to um, when this individual had enough. Um, and when he didn't have enough. And uh, so we're going to hear what Jesus has, has to say about it. We're going to turn to the book of Luke, okay? And just like a couple of weeks ago, there's a little bit of a conversation that happens just in front of the parable that we're going to read. Um, it doesn't have a lot to do with this parable, but um, we're going to start. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And this, um, we kind of call it the two barns, but it's actually known more commonly as the rich fool, Okay which isn't very nice, but it's a parable, it's fiction. So this person doesn't really exist. So, um, okay, let's, let's get started. There's just a couple of sentences here. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between the two of you? Okay, that, it's just a couple of sentences here, and what I think is happening here is kind of like if you have kids and you're in the car, you're trying to get somewhere, and they're in the back seat fighting over um, something insignificant, like Susie's foot is over the imaginary line and on my side, okay? Like, have you been there before? Like, that's, you're like, I'm trying to do something here. And I do, I think that Jesus is a little bit kind of like, listen, we're talking about bigger things. But you're going to see this as very common in the parables where there's, they're, they're wanting to know about something and Jesus is saying, you are focused on earthly things. And what I'm trying to reveal to you is something bigger, something eternal. And I do believe that there's a bit of that. But Jesus does not waste the opportunity to teach a lesson. And so this is the lesson and this is the parable that we're going to talk about today. He says to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. <laughs> which is a little convicting after the Reese's Cup conversation um, just a little bit ago. Um, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. All right, that's a hard one. That's a, that's a challenging one. Um, a part of me likes that Jesus just speaks truth to us, like he just says it, 
um, but this is a hard one to wrestle, wrestle down. Now, so we're talking about barns, okay? I, I, I do want to just let you know what my resume is here. I do have authority to talk about barns. I grew up on a farm in Indiana, okay? I played in a barn all of my childhood. I swang on a rope um, up in the hayloft and um, was a part of putting that hay up in the loft on the hottest week every year of the summer. Um, and so, so I do have, you know, I've got some knowledge of how farms work and, and how barns, barns work. I think there are a couple of things, a couple of things that um, Jesus wants us to get out of this primarily. Lots of lessons can be learned here, but I think there's two things um, that the rich man really, is there his real miscalculations, what he misunderstood. And the first one is he misunderstood the source of the blessing. And maybe he just forgot it. I don't know. But I think he misunderstood the source of, of the blessing. And, you know, um, it's one of those things with farming. Is, farming is one of those things that um, really requires faith. I just, I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe there are other occupations that require this amount of faith, but farming is really one of them, okay? Now, I'm not saying farmers don't know what they are doing. They do. They've, they've got the knowledge. They've got the machinery. They've got the seeds. But there comes a moment where once you put that in the ground, you've got to have faith. You now have to work with creation and with the creator. And there are going to be good years and there are going to be bad years. You see how that happens? Like when you're growing, so it's why some of you don't like to grow anything. <laughs> because it, it can be tough. Because you've got to have the right nutrients, but not too much. You've got to have the right amount of water, but not too much water. You've got to have the right sun, but not too much sun. Okay? You've got to have the right wind, and, you know, but not too much wind. And all it can take is a flood or some straight-line winds, and, and your harvest is gone. And so it takes a tremendous amount of faith, and farmers know that, and cultures know that. And so this parable, it even says, this is really interesting. If you go back and look at this parable, if you're reading it, it says, the ground produced. Now, sure, the farmer did his part, but the ground produced and so it's definitely in, in, including a, um, or mentioning a cooperation that is happening between this farmer um, and God in creation, the ground produced. But then after that, you see a lot of, what will I do with my surplus, my barns, my, 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 uh, my, my, I will do, I will do, I will do. You see a lot of eyes. And so we don't see any kind of gratitude. We don't see any kind of reference to a higher power. Um, and, and, and you know what? We can be really hard on the farmer, but we do this a little bit, don't we? When things aren't going well in our lives, we're reaching out to God. We say, God, I need you. I need your help. Because when things aren't going well in life, we really understand, one, I am not in control of what's happening, and, and two, I need help from somebody greater than me. But then when things start to go good for us, our attention can begin to shift to our, our life and earthly things. And we're like, we can start to feel like we're pretty smart, like we've got things under control right now. We've, we've got it. You know, we're good. Things are going good right now. And we can forget to give that, that credit to, uh, to God. We reach out to him when things are tough. And so I think early in the process, maybe the farmer is, but now that he has this harvest, it, it is all his. And this is, this is a thing that we have to be on guard for. When we believe it's all ours, oh, when we believe we produced it, we will think that we deserve it. When we, when we believe that we produced it, then 
We'll be like, man, I've been working hard. I deserve this. I can eat, drink, and be merry. But when we understand that God provided it, then we will express gratitude for it. I don't think the farmer needs to feel bad that he had a great harvest. You have a great year. But we don't hear him express gratitude. When we understand the role that God plays in our life and how we are blessed beyond what we deserve, then when we receive those blessings, we will be quick to say, God, thank you. God, thank you. And so that's the first thing. The second thing I think that Jesus wants, this, um, uh, wants us to learn from this lesson, and this is really the focus of this parable, and as a rich man misunderstood the purpose of the blessing. I think that he forgot or misunderstood the source of the blessing, but um, the real point of this message is I think he misunderstood the purpose of the blessing. There was a purpose. God had an intended purpose for um, that blessing, and we don't know exactly what that is, but we do know that he missed it. And, and we know that because Jesus says it pretty clearly. He says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. He said, life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And when he says life, I think that he's meaning like the good life, like feeling good and having joy and feeling meaning and purpose and fulfillment, like real life, like living life does not come from possessions. And we can forget that, but we learn that lesson over and over and over. We can trick ourselves into thinking if we have more, life will be easier. What we find is when we have more, we have more to maintain. And so I'm not saying that that's good or bad. It's neither. Okay? Life doesn't come from possessions. It comes from something much deeper than that. Jesus also says, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, what we see in this parable is that this is clearly extra. The rich man was already rich. He was referred to as a rich man before the harvest, and he had multiple barns to start with. And so, what is ironic about this parable is that he had a great year. There's nothing wrong with that. He could have filled his two barns and been prepared for dry seasons in the future, and still had an abundance to let go, to release, to meet the needs of the hungry, the poor, and those around him. But he went through great effort to tear down what he had, to build himself something, something bigger. You see, we are wired to build a kingdom I think that it's within our DNA. God created us to build a kingdom. And so we have to understand that we have to resist our temptation, our constant, all of our constant temptation to build something bigger and more for ourselves. When what we've really been wired for, and so many of these parables are about the unseen kingdom of God, is that we were wired, our purpose in life is to build and add to a kingdom but not our kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so again, these misunderstandings have um, consequences. When we believe it's all ours, then we will try to hold on to it. You're going to hold on to whatever is yours. There's just something within us that's going to do that. If you have your wallet out, somebody comes, tries to take your wallet, you're going to try to hold on to it. When we believe we own it, then we will hold on to it even if it means tearing down our barns and building bigger ones or selling what we have and building and buying bigger ones. 
And so we have, just have to be um, aware of that. But when we understand that it's extra, because remember, he already had enough. This was extra. This was uh, in abundance. This was a blessing above and beyond that when we understand it's a blessing, then we will be generous. We will be more generous with it. Jesus says that, rich towards God, as if that is really what life is about. And what does it look like to be rich towards God? What does that, what does that really mean? Well, it probably means a lot of things. That we, as you listen to Jesus' teaching, you can probably learn a lot about what it means to be rich towards God. But these were two things that I think that the rich man, the rich fool got wrong, that I think that we can learn from. The first one is when we understand that God provided it, then we will express gratitude for it. And the second is when we understand it as a blessing, then we will be generous with it. I think two powerful practices, they are simple practices, they're ones that we learn in kindergarten and we must continue to remind ourselves of throughout adulthood. Two powerful practices to being rich towards God with what he gives us, and that is gratitude and generosity, allowing it to flow through us. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy. What I love about scripture and even Jesus' teaching is that he talks about celebration there is a time to eat and drink and be merry, but that is not the goal of life. God wants you to enjoy what he has given you, but he wants you to also be reminded again and again that what we have is more than enough, especially where we live, where we are blessed to live. And we should not feel bad about that. We should be grateful for it but we have more than enough, and there is a purpose to that, so that we might be generous to others. Another way of saying it is we are blessed to bless. Very simply, I think that's what it means to be rich towards God, to appreciate what God has given us, and to bless those around us. There is a, there is a purpose to me sharing this parable with you today. Um, this parable actually came up in one of our local board meetings um, at the end of the year. And so um, it was mentioned, and this parable was used as a means by which we would make a decision as uh, the leadership of the church. And you have elected good leaders here at this church, and they keep these principles in front of us all the time. And um, so we discussed this. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of a kind of a behind-the-scenes look at uh, the leadership decisions that, um, that we make as a church. As you know, this last year was a little bit scary for all of us, for you and your home and, and just kind of the financial insecurity that maybe you felt individually. But as you can imagine, it felt that way for us too here at the church. You know, we've, we've made promises to staff who are taking care of their families and and we have a, you know, a, God's blessed us with a great facility to keep up and different things like that, ministries that still have to continue. And so we knew that this year there was going to be a certain amount of, of financial instability. Um, but I'm going to tell you, this, is, this message today is not to convict you, it is to celebrate you. We didn't know how giving would be, but you were faithful. Every single week, you were faithful. God's people, um, you where you continue to give faithfully, like you always have. You have always been a generous church, and you continue to do that. 
This last year, we set big goals, the biggest goals for our global impact fund that we have ever set. And you gave generously, and we met every single one of those goals. But there were still times this year where we, we had surpluses in different areas, and we had to make a decision. Because the financial instability hasn't gone away for you or for us. And so we had, we had some surpluses along the year, and we had to make a decision. Do we put this in savings so that we can protect and provide for our future? Or are we going to meet a need that is right in front of us? And every single time, our board made the decision to meet the need that is right in front of us. Yes, amen. And those ver this parable came up, um, those very words that I shared with you today um, came up because every single month we, we finished the financial report and, and we all just stepped back and stopped and just, just like we are thankful for our congregation and how generous they are and we are thankful for our God and how generous he is. We are blessed. And at this church, we are blessed. And in our homes, we are blessed. And, and what I love is that it came up again and again. The leaders of our church continue to say, we are blessed for a purpose. We are blessed to bless. And so I'm, I work with our Serve Tuscaloosa team. I work with our national global team. I work with the board and the trustees. And so I'm the one who kind of knows all the moving pieces. And so today, as we talk about the two barns, it is a celebration because you could have held on to what you had and you gave it. And as a church, we could have held on to what we had, but we gave it. And so I, get to sit, I just get to share some, some big wins. I'm going to do a top five. They're not in any order. I just thought it was fun to do a top five. Okay, so I'm going to share a top five with us because this is what we did. In the last year, these were big wins for us. Okay, number five, let's start. We've got to, we're going to put them up on the screen. We're going, to, um, we're going to take a look at these. Number five, we did have to adapt and, and meet new needs. Okay, we couldn't do service, and, and our ministries globally couldn't do things in the same way that they had done them before. And so immediately we're like, we can't do Love Week. Well, well, how, how do we do? How do we do this, you know? And our board kept saying, there's got to be needs. There's got to be needs. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so this is what we did. Okay, first off, um, we were worried about our local establishments and our frontline workers. And so we gave thousands of meals from local businesses, local restaurants, to frontline workers all across. We started at the hospital, then we went to the clinics and the urgent cares and those kinds of things, and then our first responders, and then school teachers became um, frontline workers, and so we, we provided meals at, 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 um, at elementary schools. Um, also, as schools started to prepare, we, we gave them the sanitation supplies. We've got fogger guns that we used here, and we made sure the schools had those, and so we gave them the supplies that they needed uh, to open back open back up. But not just locally, globally, we had to answer some issues. Some of our global partners provide food. You know, happy tummies for malnourished children, okay? They also provide food for the elderly. And if those people don't eat, that's the only meal they get. If they don't get that meal, they're going to starve. And so there was a time when the only thing that was allowed to go out through quarantine globally were food bags. And so we, we, we provided a, quite a bit, of thousands of dollars, to provide food bags in Mexico, Ecuador, and Guatemala to our partners so they could continue to do the ministry they need to do. So that's number five. We were able to adapt and keep meeting needs even in uncertain times. I'm proud of our leadership that was able to do that. Number four, 
Number four, building bridges of unity. You know that COVID's not the only challenge that we face in America. Um, we, we face um, cultural and racial tension. And as a church, though we get a bad rap, I think sometimes, maybe we deserve it, maybe we don't. That Sunday's the most segregated time in, in, um, in the week, and maybe that's true, I, I don't know. But what I do know is that our pastors from multiple different cultures and different races work together behind the scenes and do all kinds of stuff all the time that never makes it to social media. And, and this year, we just wanted to amplify it because of what's going on. Our witness is that um, we are unified in the body of Christ. And so we intentionally, intentionally gave money to um, AME churches around this region so that small local AME churches could reopen. They weren't going to be able to reopen without some help and some support. And so we, we gave generously to a local church that was leading that charge. David Evans, you saw um, on the screen is a church planner at Greater Faith. He's a friend of Pastor Scott's. His church, as he's trying to plan it, has been hit by not one tornado and demolished, but two tornadoes and been demolished. And we have continued to walk with him so that he can continue to move forward and open his, his church, which is predominantly African-American. Our brothers and sisters at Iglesia Prince of Paz, who've been working with us all the time and for many years, we were able to help them pay off their mortgage isn't that amazing? That church has grown. It is alive. It is vibrant. It is reaching people. And, and, and Pastor David Chavista um, and Deborah Downs, who are there, do an amazing work. And that church is growing, growing, growing. And now, because they don't have a mortgage, they're going to do more ministry. And they've been working with us, and we've been able to continue to bless them. Number three, breaking the poverty cycle. There are so many issues related to generational poverty, and so that's what's great about World Hope's village partnership and our village in Malai, Sierra Leone, Africa, and there have been so many, so many things we've done. Okay, we've done these things over the last three years, okay? Let me get you. I've got a list here, but I've got to flip to it. Last three years. Leadership team in the village, local leadership decided what needed to happen. Hygiene, sanitation training, distributed water filters, drilled a well so that they have clean water, okay, which it addresses a number of issues. Distributed 100 bushels of peanuts, 100 bushels of rice for economic training and development. Constructed a drying floor, constructed latrines, constructed a grain storage, constructed a community center. They received solar lanterns this, um, this last week, the kids did, so that they could do homework at night. Okay, and we're purchasing bikes and locks for the kids to get to school because they still have to get to school a few miles away so that they can get there safely. Okay, um, but this is a, a story um, of Kariatu from our village. World Hope is sharing this story with everybody, and she's from our village. She's sponsored by one of you. I don't know who, um, she's, but I just know she's not mine. Um, so she's sponsored by one of you, and they're using her testimony because she's an amazing girl, and she wasn't able to do homework at night. They, she comes home, they've got chores, it's dark, they can't do homework, but because of these solar lanterns that they were able to get, um, because of your giving, your generosity, um, she's able to do homework um, at at night, which is amazing. Okay, number two. Number two. Isn't this fun? This is fun. All right? I think it's fun. Okay. Number two, starting a new church in ministry in um, San Jorge, Zacapa, Guatemala. Okay? This church was dying. And the church in the background, okay, John Vaughn 
put brick on brick and was hanging lights inside that, okay? It was 100 degrees up there, okay? We, we were a big part of building that building, okay, many, many years ago, but that church was dying, and they couldn't bring in a new pastor unless somebody was going to pay for the pastor's salary and for the ministry to get started, and so that's what we've been doing. We've been paying for um, Pastor Harvin has been amazing. He has been amazing. They've went from eight to over 100 people in that congregation, but not just that. You know we love happy tummies around here because $1 can provide a meal, vitamins, toiletries, um, tutoring, and Bible activities for $1. $1. Because your $1 turns into $10 in Guatemala, and that's how that happens. So we love happy tummies, but they didn't have one there. And this is the poorest village that I think we work with in Guatemala because it's in the desert. They live on $1 a day, one of the few areas of the world where they live on $1 a day as a family. All they eat is corn tortillas. But we're able to build a happy tummies and a kitchen so that they can have food every single day of the week, all year long. And so we did that. That was one of the things at the end of the year we decided, are we going to put money in savings or are we going to build a kitchen in Guatemala so the kids can eat? And we said, we're not building new barns when the kids need a kitchen. And so we built a kitchen so that kids could eat. And the last one is one that we're working on right now, and you know this. And this is what I love. This is local. This is Northport. A few weeks ago, the flooding just washed out Willowbrook, mobile home community. And the Red Cross was here, and we were here with the Red Cross and the shelter, but then the Red Cross has to go. And if we wouldn't have stepped in, this family, okay, at the time it was three adults, six kids, would have been on the street. But we said, no, we're going to step in, and we're going to make sure that they have a place. So they've been in the extended stay hotel for the last two weeks, so we've, we've put them up. The kids think it's a palace. They, they kept taking a net over into the bathroom. The little girl kept taking the net in, and she just kept pointing at the bathtub because she had a clean bathtub to take a bath in. They think they're in a palace. Now we've moved them to another local house so that they can have a house. And we have, this has been changing every single day, every single day. And I'm just so thankful for Annette Cook and the Serve Tuscaloosa team that she works with because we have, I think we have figured it out. We've been praying and we can only do this. We can only go down these roads because of you and your generosity. Um, But we have gone down this road and I believe that they're gonna sign a lease on a new spot in a new mobile home park this week that will not flood and there's a trailer on that spot and I believe that we can buy it for them. Amen. Now that's something that we're going to be doing together. I think it's, it's going to cost, we've, we're going to have to go and put floors in. We've got people who can do that, but I think the trailer is going to cost $20,000. But I, I know that we can do that. And all of us can feel a part of something. By the end of the year, we're going to feel a part of this family had no home and was homeless, and now they have a home, and it's bigger, it's better, and it's safer for them and their family. And as I was preparing this message, one, I told Katie, I said, this is just kind of what I'm thinking about. And she said, James, what's so important about having messages like this is we give our tithe every single week, And she's like, and I know that you know what's going on, but it's nice to know that the little we give every single week, our part, it goes to something that's making a big kingdom difference. And she's like, and I know we give to Faith Promise, but I just, I, you know, I kind of don't know where it goes. You know, she's like, I know you know where it goes, but I don't know where. 
And it's good to know that the little that we give faithfully in tithes and offerings and the little that we give generously through faith promise and global impact, that it goes, it's combined. I can't do any of those things by myself with my giving. You can't do any of those things by yourself with your giving. That's why I shared those. Now, we've, we've done all kinds of other stuff that I can't share. That only happens when we give together and work together. That's the only way that those things happen. And so as you give every single week and as you give to Global Impact Faith, Faith Promise, as you give, those, that all accumulates and allows us to do unbelievable things. We can't do everything for everybody, but boy, we sure did something for somebody. And that's what the church is about. We're blessed. We are blessed. It's the first thing that we have to learn and just be reminded of. I think we know that. It's the reason we take missions trips is until we're seeing it face-to-face, we forget how much more we have than others. And I was talking to David Truett this morning, because even then we still think, oh, well, I know I have more than someone in Guatemala. But as you're working with this family here in Northport, you realize, oh, wow, I have a lot more than some people in Northport. We've been blessed. You know, I feel bad about that. Be great. Thank you, God. You've blessed us. You have blessed us. And we are thankful and we are grateful and we now know that it has come for a purpose. And so God, continue to open up doors. Continue to open up doors because we are blessed to bless others. And so the takeaway, church, is let's just keep doing it. Like, let's just keep doing it. And let me continue to give you these updates that you're a part of this. And I want you to do that. I want you, when you're at home talking to your kids, I, I want you to say, kids, hey, listen, we give to the church, and it goes to so many things, so many things. But do you realize that we built a kitchen in Guatemala so that kids who were dying of hunger have food? Do you know that we were a part of that? Tell your kids that. Tell your friends that. Tell your neighbors that. Like, this is what this is about. We are lucky. We are lucky to be able to do what we do. And I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of this church, and I'm proud of its leadership. Let's just keep it up. We were going to close with a, with a worship song, but they probably have picked up on the fact that we've lost, um, we've run out of time for that. And so um, there is no other takeaway um, from today but to walk away, hopefully, um, feeling good about who God is and what he has done. What he has done. Because what I have learned is that even the things that I've shared are much richer than that because what the Holy Spirit does with that work is far beyond anything that we know and can comprehend So as we leave, let's stand together and let me just pray that, that God would enable us to continue to be faithful in what we do um, and that God would continue to use what we do to do what we cannot do on our own, which is to bring life and hope um, through his son, Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for what you've given us. We are blessed. 
God, I thank you for this congregation, the leadership and the church that I get to be a part of and my family gets to be a part of um, that is making a difference um, in, in yeah, eternal ways through the, the gospel that we preach every single week, um, but also in tangible ways through how we're able to help and bless those around us. God, I pray that you would continue to bless us and you would continue to remind us and you would continue to open doors for us and that you would continue to use us. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.